Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, ControlUp, end-to-end digital experience management for the work-from-anywhere era. ControlUp, happy users, happy IT. And also brought to you by Networks Policy Pack, where you use Group Policy, Policy Pack Cloud, or MDM to remove local admin rights, manage and lockdown applications, Java, browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. And of course, also brought to you by Numescent, the inventors of the first and only cloud-native container management platform for Windows desktops. If you enjoy the show each week, give these awesome sponsors to thank. And now for some news. Definitely the biggest story of the week, but LastPass have shared an update about their most recent security breach. I say most recent because you may recall that this was actually the second security breach of LastPass of 2022. Well, in the update, they explained that they use cloud storage services for storing certain data such as backups. And in their most recent breach, which was in August, the attacker gained access to their cloud storage service. LastPass said they determined that once the cloud storage access key and dual storage container decryption keys were obtained, the threat actor copied information from backup that contained basic customer account information and related metadata, including company names, end user names, billing addresses, email addresses, telephone numbers, and the IP addresses from which customers were accessing the LastPass service. They also state the threat actor was able to copy a backup of customer vault data from the encrypted storage container, which is stored in a proprietary binary format that contains both unencrypted data, such as website URLs, as well as fully encrypted sensitive fields, such as website usernames and passwords, secure notes, and form-filled data. These encrypted fields remain secured, however, with 256-bit encryption, and can only be decrypted with a unique encryption key derived from each user's master password that uses their zero-knowledge architecture. They once again reassure that the master password is never known to LastPass and is not stored or maintained by LastPass. Encryption and decryption of data is performed only on the local LastPass client. But still, obviously, a hacker being able to obtain sites that you do have accounts on is also not good because they could use that potentially to try and do a pairing of the email address that they've obtained against those sites that are in your vault with maybe passwords that were in another breach. LastPass have tried to calm people's nerves by telling them that if they followed recommendations for their master passwords, then they should be fine, or at least their stored passwords should be fine. LastPass supports multi-factor authentication. They encourage using a completely unique password for the service and enforce the use of long passwords. They say it would take a million years to guess complex, unique passwords when used. They've also stated there's no evidence that any unencrypted credit card data was accessed. And LastPass said they do not store complete credit card numbers and credit card information is not archived in the cloud storage environment that was breached. They also went through a list of what they've done um, in light of this security breach, including 
decommissioning the environment in its entirety and rebuilding a new environment from scratch. So makes sense. It was breached. Uh, they've also replaced and further hardened developer machines, processes, and authentication methods. They've added additional logging and alerting capabilities. They're actively rotating all relevant credentials and certificates that may have been affected and supplementing existing endpoint security. And they've been performing exhaustive analysis of every account with signs of any suspicious activity within their cloud storage service. They did state that this remains an ongoing investigation and they have notified law enforcement and relevant regulatory authorities of this incident out of an abundance of caution. So this is certainly not good news because like I said, even though they don't get the passwords in the vault, it seems like they've probably got a list of the websites that you visited if you use LastPass. So people will know what sites you have an account on and they've got at least one of your email addresses, probably the email address that's associated with your LastPass account. Now, of course, one of the benefits of using a service like LastPass is that hopefully you've created all unique passwords for all of the services you use. So it's gonna be pretty hard for someone to figure out what password you're using on those URLs or sites that they are able to get the information from. So, you know, it's bad, but it's not the end of the world. And I've seen people saying that, oh, I'm leaving LastPass now for sure. And then other people saying, well, your master password is fine. And if you're using the service to generate complex passwords and have unique passwords for everything, you're probably fine. It just sucks that your personal information is going to be taken in this breach. But still, I guess it's going to be, you know, a very person to person decision. Do you stick with LastPass if you're using it? Or do you look for an alternative like 1Password or Bitwarden? That's up to you. Last Wednesday, Okta stated that software code for its Okta Workforce Identity Cloud service was copied after intruders gained access to their private repository on GitHub. The statement said that copied source code pertains only to the Okta Workforce Identity Cloud and does not pertain to any Auth0 products used with the company's customer identity cloud. Officials also said that upon learning of the breach, Okta placed temporary restrictions on access to the company's GitHub repositories and suspended GitHub integrations with third-party apps. GitHub stated, quote, We have since reviewed all recent access to Okta software repositories hosted by GitHub to understand the scope of the exposure. We reviewed all recent commits to Okta software repositories hosted with GitHub to validate the integrity of our code and rotated GitHub credentials, end quote. Now, I find the timing of the release of this information, both from LastPass and Okta, I mean, just being kind of skeptical, but doing this kind of news dump right around the holidays, uh, something tells me they're trying to bury the bad news. Just my opinion. The Commission Nationale de la Informatique et des Libertés, <laughs> which is the French privacy watchdog, has imposed a 60 million euro fine against Microsoft's Irish subsidiary for dropping advertising cookies in users' computers without their explicit consent in violation of data protection laws in the European Union. The privacy watchdog noted that users visiting the homepage of its Bing search engine did not have a mechanism to refuse cookies as easily as accepting them. 
The Hacker News reports, along with the fines, Microsoft has also been ordered to alter its cookie practices within three months or risk facing an additional penalty of 60,000 euros per day of non-compliance. In a statement shared with the Wall Street Journal, Microsoft said it had already made changes to include an option to reject advertising cookies. It, however, expressed concerns that cookies for ad fraud detection shouldn't require consent from those intending to defraud others. I don't know, Microsoft cookies are cookies. Even if there's a suggestion that uh, putting some of these cookies down are to prevent fraud, the user should be informed, I think. Just a few days ago, Microsoft published a YouTube video on Azure AD Connect Cloud Sync versus AD Connect, which if you're not familiar, Azure AD Connect has been around for a few years, and that's basically the way to kind of bridge a connection between your on-premises Active Directory domain uh, up to Azure for your Azure Active Directory. And they build this new Azure AD Connect Cloud Sync as the next generation and a way to future-proof yourself. It still requires a lightweight agent, kind of like Azure AD Connect, but they claim it improves resiliency and reduces latency. And it also allows syncing at the domain level, so I guess it doesn't need to be as granular in setup. And they also say the agent will be kept up to date automatically. So there are a few benefits over to the current Azure AD Connect, and it may be worth checking out. The chief of Raspberry Pi, Eben Upton, has stated that the company is still recovering from two years of supply chain disruptions, and so people should not expect a Raspberry Pi version 5 in 2023. Defending the decision to not target 2023 for a Pi 5, he also pointed out that launching a Pi 5 could jeopardize the recovery of their Pi 4 supplies, even though the Pi 5 could be expected to be produced on a different process node. ZDNet reports that additionally, it could cause Pi 5's launch to stumble if they were to launch it in 2023, as obviously there's still this supply chain issue. And the last news story for this episode, I'm keeping it short on purpose this week for obvious reasons. It's around the holidays and I'm pretty sure not all that many people are going to be listening. And also, frankly, there's not as many news stories related to enterprise IT this week. But on a previous episode of the podcast, I reported that enrollment was broken for certain Android devices into Intune. Well, bleepycomputer.com reports that Microsoft have now confirmed that Samsung and Google have fixed an Intune enrollment issue affecting the Galaxy S22 smartphones running Android 13. So if that was affecting you, it should now be resolved. And now this episode, Scripts, Tricks, and Tips. First up, there was quite a thread on Twitter. Uh, well, it's also kind of a tip as well, just by virtue of what the thread is about. But the tip would be, don't have your home lab ESXi hosts and vCenter exposed on the internet. So this is something that's actually come up multiple times throughout the year as uh, vCenter's instances that were exposed on the internet were being attacked on an enterprise front. Well, someone with a home lab was brave enough or maybe stupid enough uh, to share on a Reddit or a subreddit uh, that they were hacked and they've got a ransomware note 
up on their, uh, it looked like to me, the ESXi login page. So uh, kind of maybe a little bit embarrassing. They were asking for advice on um, how to recover. And yeah, that's something you don't want to happen to you. So to avoid it, do not have your ESXi hosts and vCenter instances exposed to the internet. Peter Arntz from malwarebytes.com had a blog post. It was actually posted last year, but it still rings true today on the pitfalls of blocking IP addresses. So it is a good idea in theory, but there are some kind of nuances and holes that you should uh, address as well. And finally, Frederick Weinman shared on Twitter, for those folks with Active Directory dealing with domain controller updates and the Kerberos headaches that we've had this year, if you're looking for some insights into your environment and where you will need to fix things before they break, uh, Frederick has shared a PowerShell script that helps you to gather some important data. Well, like I said, I wanted to keep this episode short because it is during the holidays. I didn't want to miss a week. And I think next week, uh, because it's going to be the fifth anniversary of the podcast and it's still going to be the new year, I'll do my usual kind of recap of the big news stories for the year and uh, some of the scripts, tricks, and tips highlights from the last year as well. But that's it for me. Thank you all so much for listening, and I hope you had a great Christmas.